Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. My name is Rusty George, and I'm so excited to have you with us. Today, we get to have a conversation with somebody who has quickly become a friend because of our interaction uh, through Zoom calls. Uh, He is an incredible leader, a guy by the name of Paul Hicks with Search Ministries. You may have never heard of Search Ministries. If you're familiar with Alpha Ministries, it's similar to that, but done a little bit more covert, a little bit more face-to-face, one-on-one kind of perspective when it comes to helping people far from God connect with God. You may know somebody in your life that you think they'd never come to church, but they would come to a barbecue, or they would come to a game night, or they would come to a cigar night, and you would sit down with them and have conversations and maybe have an opportunity to talk about your faith. What do you do in that moment? Paul's going to tell us how through the incredible resources they provide at Search Ministries. Today, we are sponsored by Leader.com, L-E-A-D-R.com, which is an incredible platform that helps your church, your business, engage with your employees. The past couple of years have been referred to as the Great Resignation, where people are leaving their place of employment to find something more fulfilling. And 70% of the people that leave their place of work do so because of a lack of engagement with their leader. Leader.com can fix that. They can schedule one-on-one meetings for you. They can give you goals. They can help uh, prioritize what needs to be talked about and give you great resources that become a platform for you to use that help you engage with your employees. Check it out at Leader.com. That's Leader, L-E-A-D-R. You drop the second E. Dot com for more information. And back on episode 199, we had a conversation with Holly Tate, who works for Leader, to give us much more information about it. Make sure that you check it out. Well, here's my conversation with Search Ministries' Paul Hicks. Well, Paul, thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, we've had a chance to connect a little bit before this, but for our listeners who may not know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Rusty. My name is Paul Hicks, and I'm in uh, Richmond, Texas, a suburb of Houston. And uh, I've been married for 33 years, and I have three grown sons, two grandsons. Uh, I was born and raised in the Houston area, uh, and uh, I was in the insurance business for several years, Uh, worked for a big corporation, and uh, was a regional sales vice president at, at the end of my career with them, and then started a little consulting firm for myself. And, and then I've been on staff with Search Ministries uh, formally for uh, about eight years now. Now, I think that's where our paths crossed uh, through a mutual friend. And I know you're connected with Bruce Matthews as well, who's been a previous guest on the show. Uh, all things Houston, I guess. So that makes you... Uh, Texans fan, formerly an Oilers fan, Rockets, Astros, and I assume the Houston Cougars as well. Am I correct? Well, uh, yes, for most of those. <laughs> I like the Cougars fine. Uh, our mutual friend's a big Cougar fan, but my uh, my youngest son was an Aggie, and I had to uh, become an Aggie fan here uh, in Houston, but Mm. Yeah, love, uh, very involved with sports. You mentioned Bruce Matthews. He's on staff with me here at Search uh, after a a 19-year career in the NFL and and, uh, obviously a Hall of Famer. So he and I have a lot of fun 
meeting with men here in the Houston area. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so this is what I want to dive into today. Because for many church leaders and leaders in churches and, and people that are, you know, they, they have a different career, but they love their church and they love just seeing people come to faith in the Lord. One of the most difficult things is to bring up the conversation, is to have a conversation about faith without it feeling like it's, oh, how shall we say this, a sales pitch. Um, but but you know that there's a deep hunger in everybody's soul for uh for the Lord, as the scriptures say, He's placed eternity in our hearts. And you found through Search Ministries a great way to facilitate that discussion, to just get uh, people, especially men, talking about faith and issues of faith and working through some of their, their, their issues to kind of remove some of the barriers between them and Christ. Tell us a little bit about Search Ministries and what it is you guys do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, Search Ministries is a is a forty five year old ministry. It actually began uh, by the man who was the chaplain on the PGA tour for roughly forty years, and uh, it's a discipleship, relational evangelism ministry where we are really looking for primarily men, although the organization is uh, trying to become more uh, uh, open to females, but at, when when our ministry was started, there was a real need for men to connect, and and they weren't connecting in the local church. They were often, uh, for whatever reason, they let the the wife take the kids to church, and they, you know, were busy with whatever else. And so, um, uh, so what we do is we literally build friendships. And the problem, Rusty, that why why the local church, we are so ineffective in bringing people is we really don't know how to attract the lost person. We're taught to invite them to church. Well, they don't want to come to church. If they wanted to come to church, they would have come with their wives or another friend, but um, they don't want to. And, and we find it hard to have start spiritual conversations. Well, uh, the big the big struggle or the big thing that you need to do first is build a friendship. And if you build a friendship, spiritual questions will come into the fray eventually. Hmm. And, and so um, most of us Christians, we are not intentional about making friendships with lost people because they, you know, they drink too much, they curse too much, they do everything too much, and we, we as Christians are, are so easily offended, hmm. right? And so they become... An enemy. I mean, even if we don't, uh, you know, our, even our body language or the way that we hang out, we 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 push the lost away, mm-hmm. uh, knowingly or subtly. Mm-hmm. And so, when we make it in our mind that Jesus Christ called us to be ambassadors to a lost world, and we take that seriously, we put the souls of lost people ahead of our own comfort. Mm. And we realize if I'm going to go into the mission field, which is my neighborhood, my little league, my workplace, wherever, um, I'm going to have to be inconvenienced for the sake of the cross. Hmm. And so, um, you know, just as an example, I had a man that was in my office next door to me. He worked for the same firm that I was with, and he was the foulest 
man you would ever, I mean, drop the F-bomb left and right, the Lord's name in vain. But we, uh, we found common ground in college football. Hmm. Uh, I, I never had a spiritual conversation with him for almost a year. I just, we'd go to lunch. Um, I got to know about his family. Um, we became friends. Mm-hmm. And this crusty old man who was all about the world, very successful worldly, but he was lost and he acted lost. Mm-hmm. And so we learn in, in 1 Corinthians that the lost, you don't judge the lost like you do the believer. Hmm. There are two different things that we look at. And so, um, lo and behold, this man got cancer, and the Lord opened a door for me to have a spiritual conversation with him very gently in private in our own, my own office, where he often came to visit about college football. <laughs> And uh, I just says, hey, you know, I know you're afraid. We all, when we get cancer, we're afraid. You don't have to go through this alone. I, I'll be your friend. I said, but I can tell you, if, if you haven't sorted through the spiritual issues about death and eternity, and you would like to do that, I could help you do that in a very non-religious way. Would that be something you'd be interested in? I'd need about 10 minutes of to talk it through. And he looked at me and a tear ran down his eyes and he said, yeah, I'd I'd really like to have that conversation. Mm. Now, if I had invited him to church at the beginning of that deal or talked about my faith or on that stuff, he would have said F you and and the relationship would have been over. Yeah. And so for the sake of Jesus and his calling on all of us, Mm. I allowed myself to be inconvenienced by a lost guy to earn the right to have a spiritual conversation. And that in the, that is the hard part. That's why so many of us don't do it mm-hmm. is because I would rather hang out with my friends that I do like mm-hmm. my friends at church, the people who share my values. Mm-hmm. And if I do that, I don't have any bandwidth for the lost guy who is making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So someone has to take the calling of the scriptures to go make disciples. You know, as I tell the men that I call, the very first thing Jesus said when he met his disciples is what? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Mm. And the very last thing he said to them when he was about to go back up into heaven, he said, now go make disciples. Mm. So if the very first and the very last thing that Jesus told us was to go meet the lost, I think that's pretty important command. Mm. And yet most of us don't do it because it's, uh, it's messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, because I've, I've heard you say this before, that to be a disciple, you have to be a disciple maker. Now, the image that comes to many of our minds the moment you say that is that I'm in a deep and serious Bible study with somebody. I'm leading them down the Romans road or four spiritual laws. I'm, I'm arguing them into the faith by a series of apologetics. Um, what you modeled for us with your relationship with uh, the man that you talked about was really just, you were there. You were in his life until an opportunity came about. Is that disciple-making? Well, that's the beginning of disciple-making. Okay. Right? That is evangelism mm. at that point where I am uh, letting my light shine. 
letting the Holy Spirit shine through me in a loving relationship. And as you build a loving relationship with someone, you'll know they're ready to have spiritual conversations because they start leaning in. Hmm. They start asking you stuff like, hey, Paul, you know, can I ask you about something? There's something going on in my life, and you seem to be the guy that kind of has life figured out a little bit. And I can begin to introduce spiritual uh, conversations in, into our relationship. You know, the, the scripture says, let your conversations be seasoned with salt. Well, Rusty, how do you salt your food? You do it carefully, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you taste it. And if it needs a little more, you give it a little more. But when you've gotten enough, then you stop. Mm-hmm. And yet most of us Christians, the minute that an unbeliever just cracks the door we come rushing in and we just pour salt all over it and we choke them to death, right? And <laughs> so, so true. The, the first thing to do is to build this friendship and you will begin to have spiritual conversations slowly. And as their trust in you builds, they'll lean in more and more. And so the first part of discipleship is getting someone introduced to the Lord Jesus. And, 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 and so we do that and then we... And then what, what I do is when they, when they show some real interest, well, then I say, would you like to go through just this basic foundational material that I went through with a guy helping me figure it all out? And it'll start at the very beginning. You don't even have to believe in God, but it's going to start at the very beginning of explaining who is God, how do we meet him, and then what we have to do with that. And so... Uh, you get them into a discipleship program. Mm. We call it foundations. There's tons of great material out there that you don't have to use the search stuff, but I, I like ours. I think it's very, very good. And anybody uh, that's hearing us talk can get a hold of this information. You know, just go on to searchministries.org and they can get our foundations material. It's open to the public. Mm. Great material. And and then I take in, and it usually takes about a year mm-hmm. to walk through the stuff, meeting once a week uh, at a coffee shop, in their office, uh, wherever. And uh, at the end of that, after we have helped them learn how to walk with the Lord, then we say, okay, um, the scriptures clearly tell us that we're supposed to help people like I've helped you. Mm. So if this has been meaningful to you, and it always has been, anytime anybody meets the Lord and the Spirit starts helping them change their life, it is the greatest thing that ever happened. So of course they say, yeah, it's been... I said, now you need to walk gently with another friend mm. and uh, and I'll help you. And then they, you know, lost people know lost people. That's the great thing. Yep. Unfortunately, most of us in the local church, we, we surround ourselves with Friends, and if you say, go out and talk to your lost friends, well, they don't have any lost friends. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that you have to do is put your antenna in the air, realize that I'm surrounded with lost people. I just have to slow down, be intentional, let a couple of them into my life, mm. and walk with them in a patient way that I earn the right to have spiritual conversations one day. Hmm. I mean, that's the biblical model, mm-hmm. but it takes a long time. It's messy, and so most people don't do it. But once you start doing it, you'll never stop doing it. 
because it's so gratifying. I completely agree with you there. I, I think once you begin down that road, it's just, first of all, I, I'm amazed how many Christians continue to tell me I need something more, something deeper, something more intellectual, more spiritually stimulating. And I ask them, well, who are you sharing the basics of the faith with? Well, nobody. I'm trying to grow in my own. I've never grown more in my faith than when I'm sharing it with somebody else. It challenges you. It makes you really wrestle with it. And to see somebody else light up, that's just the greatest thing. What are some what are some questions that kind of start that conversation? You mentioned with your friend who was dealing with cancer, you kind of asked him, would you be willing to talk about it? That's pretty straightforward. Are there other questions that kind of get people thinking below the surface, below just college football? Well, before I answer that, you, you really, you brought up this point of people wanting more. Mm. And, uh, you know, Jesus clearly tells us that we are to go make disciples. I mean, that's a command. When I started doing this, Rusty, it's not because I felt like I was qualified or I wanted to do it. It was unmistakable that that was a command. Hmm. And, and so I dipped my toe in the water. And I use this analogy. It's, it's like that most of us Christians are like we're on the, the driving range at a golf course. Hmm. And we're beating balls and we're hitting balls. And I'm standing next to a guy and I look over and he's swinging great. And I go, man, you got a good swing. What's your handicap? And he says, well, I've never really played golf before. I'm just, I'm trying to get better. I'm working on a few things. You know, I want to go get a little better. I'm going, what are you talking about? Man, you got a beautiful swing. Get out there. Um, And so most of us... um, you know, I look at the local church like the driving range, right? That's where we come to be equipped, mm. to be encouraged, to work on our faith. And yet the game is out there in the real world. And people keep wanting to learn how to hit the ball a little better. Believe me, you, you're hitting it just fine. And besides, the Holy Spirit's the one that's doing all the work. So get in the game. Mm. If you really want to feel the power of Christ, be obedient by getting in the game. Mm. And once you're in the game... You're, it's amazing. I mean, when I saw God using a, a guy like me, and I don't want to get into all my faults because there's plenty and we'd run out of time, but <laughs> I felt so inadequate and so uh, unable to do this. And yet when I saw the Holy Spirit work through me to move in guys' lives, then you, your faith becomes real. Mm. You say, oh my gosh, this stuff it's not just theoretical. It's just not for when you die and go to heaven. It's real. The Holy Spirit will use me when I step out in faith mm. to make a difference. So um, I forgot your other question. I, I had to chase <laughs> well, that rabbit. That's all right. I, I, uh, I teased you with that. So I, I would say uh, the question is, how do you start some of those conversations? You're in a friendship. You've known the guy for a long time. You've never gotten below the surface. You've never talked about your own faith. He hasn't asked yet. Um, is there a couple of questions that kind of just get you talking about things that are deeper than just college football? Well, um, I've got a saying that, you know, we're in a fallen world. It's, uh, it's messy. You're either in the middle of a tragedy, you're coming out of one, you've got situations that are always coming your way. And um, I like to say that when when somebody's bug hits the windshield, I want to be the person they think of. 
Okay. And so as you do life with someone and they are going through mm. marital problems, they've lost their job, they've got a cancer uh, diagnosis, they're having problems with their teenage kids, all of these things, then they will say to you, you know, and I'll just look, I'm going, man, what's going on? You know, you look like you're really troubled with something. And they'll begin to explain the hardships in your life and it'll get into a conversation. They'll eventually say, you know, you got any advice for me? And that's when I can say, you know, uh, life is hard and we go through them. And I don't know where you are spiritually, but uh, I, I am a spiritual guy. I, I really believe that there is a God who's looking out for us. And I, I try to tap in and look for solutions to my problem by using some of the information that's available to us uh, from God. Is that anything that you're interested in? See, I always ask for them for an invitation in. Is that something you're interested in? Like I did to that fellow that worked next to me. Would you be interested in hearing? Well, when people are hurting, they want solutions to their problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why the library has the big self-help section, right? Everybody wants relief. And they're going to find relief somewhere in a bottle or in a pill or in a new car or or working, you know, becoming a workaholic, something to ease their pain. And when you gently offer them something that might be of value to them hmm. uh, and ask, and you, then they invite you in. And as you invite in, then mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about the questions. Right. See, if, if, you're, if you're trying to start it, Rusty, with a question, um, you've got the cart ahead of the horse. Mm. So the relationship must come first. Mm. That's so good. Great word. Okay. I want to get really practical for our church leaders out there. Search Ministries does some really specific things, more than just provide great resources like the foundation's material. But they also, what you have seen and what you were telling me about is you've developed these gatherings for guys to come to, and it creates an opportunity for everybody out there that's got a friend, they're kind of, you know, praying for and walking with and all that, a place for them to come besides just coming to Sunday morning uh, at church. It's kind of a, a stepping stone in their spiritual journey. Would you talk us through just how uh, you've seen that play out and how you and even Bruce Matthews kind of leverage that and what those gatherings look like. Hey, let's hit pause on the conversation for just a second. Today and this month, we are sponsored by Leader.com. Harvard Business Review tells us that 70% of the reason a person leaves their job is because of their relationship with their manager. Leader helps managers lead better through effective one-on-one meetings that drive outcomes and help each employee feel cared for and developed. So we have been using this at Real Life, and it is a wonderful tool. It's a platform that you can use with all of your team members, and it really helps keep you engaged. Make sure you check out Leader, L-E-A-D-R, so you drop that second E, dot com, leader.com to find out more. Now, back to the show. Yes. Uh, well, you know, for the, for the cities that have a search person in there, we are always looking for opportunities to throw the net wide and draw in the unbeliever to, to build the relationships. And so 
one of the things we do is called open forums, and it's done any number of ways. I mean, the, the only limitation is your imagination hmm. on how you can create uh, something that somebody would want to be in. If it's just you, it might be inviting someone to golf, right? You're just finding common ground. But one of the things that we do here uh, locally in Houston is we have quarterly forums. We call them fireside forums because we used to build a campfire and guys would come around it. But now the, the group is getting too big to be around a campfire and we have to have a, you know, a little sound system out there. But it's outdoors at Bruce's. Uh, uh, he's got a barn out behind his property there in Houston and a big lawn area. And we, we bring in a guest speaker. This coming uh, next month, we're bringing in John McClain. He's the NFL sports writer for the Houston Chronicle, uh, covers the NFL. And uh, he's going to give us a pre-draft talk about what the Texans are likely to do. Uh, You know, we got a big Deshaun Watson problem down here in Houston. and He's looking to be traded as soon as he, uh, you know, solves his his domestic problems. And, And so... Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and so there's a lot of guys who would love to be sitting face to face with John McClain and letting a Hall of Famer interview him and asking him the questions that we're interested in. Mm. And so that goes for about 45 minutes, and then we we eat. We've got a uh, Louisiana Cajun food restaurant that caters a meal that's real fast that guys grab, and they you know, get their food and sit back down in their lawn chairs. They bring their own lawn chairs. They bring their own beer. They bring their own cigars. They, uh, we never had anybody, uh, smoke pot out there yet, but if they do, that's fine. Uh, you know, it's funny. We, we create an environment that the Christians are uncomfortable with, but the lost guys are very comfortable. Right. And so a lot of our guest speakers, they're not believers. In fact, I don't think any of them have been believers yet. And they'll, so in their presentation, they'll drop the F-bomb or, or something, and you, you can kind of see the Christians getting uneasy, and yet, but, but the, the unbeliever starts really feeling comfortable. You know? So we're creating an environment that they are comfortable with. And then after people get their food, then I come up and I facilitate a discussion, and we pick one big question that people are interested in. might be, how can you even know there's a God? Hmm. It might be the reliability of the Bible. Man, all you Christians, you, you say the Bible says, well, why do I care what the Bible says? Isn't it a bunch of, hmm. isn't it a document that's been written and rewritten through the years? And now how can you even know it's reliable? Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is a God, how comes there's so much pain and suffering in this world? And so as I facilitate that discussion, I say to the guys, hey, uh, I've got three promises for you. The first promise is, is this isn't a lecture, it's a discussion. I'm going to facilitate. This is all about you talking and asking questions. I want. There's nothing off base here. You can't offend me. Um, just let's, let's talk it through. The second promise is, is that this is going to be 55 minutes long. It's a hard stop. So if you try to wait till the end to talk, you're not going to get to talk because we stop. And if you want to hang around afterwards, you can, but our meeting is over in 55 minutes. And the third promise is at some point in the discussion, after it feels like everybody's kind of weighed in, I'll give you a five-minute biblical uh, explanation to the problem. And that's not the end of the discussion. I'm going to do that before the end so you guys can challenge it. 
I'm just throwing that chip on the table. And it's a lively discussion. And so we train the believer who's the inviter not to say anything. Mm. We don't want, I say, y'all be quiet. I'll handle the God talk, right? You just be quiet. If if your guest feels comfortable enough that they chime in, you know, you might say, man, that's a great question. You might encourage them, affirm them. Uh, But that's your role. And we let the guys drive together. The the inviter picks up his, his buddy and brings him. So when we're through... The buddy is taking his friend back home, and the the feedback I always get Hmm. is, oh, my gosh, we had more conversation in that drive home than we've had in our whole friendship put together. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of many, many, many examples of what you can do to if if you just pray to God for an idea. Another thing that we'll do is these adventure dinners where you'll bring – each believer will bring one unbelieving couple, and you go to a dinner at somebody's house, and maybe you have a chef come over or somebody, and they will go do a four-course meal or a five-course meal. And each course, you have a question. Hmm. And so the question might be with the salad or the uh, – is, uh, you know, tell, tell us one thing about you that nobody knows. Hmm. So they're having to get a little bit vulnerable. Then the next question might say, tell us the one thing that you are most afraid of. Hmm. And then they'll, we'll go around the table. And, you know, and each time the next course comes in, the, the chef or the cook or whoever, it doesn't have to be fancy, but they'll describe what we're going to have here. And then you get to the main course and you say, what is the one uh question, big question you have about God, a big God-sized question. Mm. And they'll say that. And then the last question, then you kind of bring it down and you say, what do you want? Really, what do you want to achieve in, in for the balance of your life? What do you want next in life? What are the What's one thing you really hope that would be a huge win for you if that could happen? And then it's over, you know, after the dinner. Well, now... We've been vulnerable. Mm. We've gotten to know people at a deeper level. And everybody always says, how can we, uh, let's keep this going. Mm. And then I, then we'll introduce something like, say, well, why don't we, next time we'll do it at somebody else's house. We'll do it next quarter at somebody else's house. And why don't we pick one of those big questions that we had about God? Man, those were so powerful. Why don't we discuss one of those questions at each one of our mm. dinners? And just try that and see where it goes. So you see, the friendship is built. You earn the right for trust. And then these apologetic questions Mm. begin to be answered. Wow. And talked about in real context of life instead of an academic thing. If it's academic, nobody's moved by that. But if you can do it in the context of love, then people honestly consider it. You mentioned to me in our previous conversation kind of the three uh, roadblocks people have to get over as they come to faith. The first one has to do with church health, and then the second one, or I should say church scars that they've experienced, and intellectual, and then the issue of will. Can you walk us through those three uh, barriers that most people have when it comes to faith? Sure. Uh, If you don't mind, I'm going to kind of talk about the whole 
what we call the one, two, three method at search. That's great. That's and even it, better. It, I can do that real quickly. The one is that everybody matters. We go to Luke 15 and you see that where Jesus says, you know, leave the 99 and go after the one. When we think about evangelism, we often think about getting a lot of people or going to everybody, you know, or that can, and really, you know, the model talks about just leaving and going after one. So mm-hmm. who is God laying on your heart? Who is the person that's in your life already that he's laying on your heart that you can become very intentional with? That's your one. The two are two principles. The first principle is, is that everybody's journey is a process. I mean, the scriptures use the metaphor of, of uh Agriculture, you know, somebody plants, the other one waters, the other one does this, and eventually somebody mm-hmm. harvests, but it's God that makes it grow. And so you got to realize if you've got to go from A to Z, you got to go from A to B before you can go to Z. And so often we as Christians try to jump right to, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Well, that's X, Y, and Z. You know, we got to. <laughs> We got to take them from A to B, from B to C, right? Slowly, okay. So that's a process. We all have a process, and the second principle is: is God's responsible for the results. It's not me. Mm. We come to know Jesus at a spiritual level, and it's Him drawing us in. So I don't have to say just the right thing. I mean, all the heavy lifting is being done by God. And when I really realize that, then I just relax and enjoy the ride. I start focusing on the relationship, trusting the Holy Spirit is going to be faithful to draw in their children, his children. Okay, So that's the two process. And then you'll find that that we say that the three is the three barriers that everybody must overcome Mm. before they meet, meet Christ. The first one is an emotional barrier. We've all been wounded somehow. It could be that your mother died when you were young and you're angry with God. Mm-hmm. It could be that your parents got divorced and uh, you were hurt by it. It could be that somebody who claimed to be a Christian uh, disappointed you very much. Mm-hmm. It could be that you somehow, some way, you have been scarred by life and you're blaming God or you're blaming the church mm. for your issue. And we as Christians have to come alongside that wounded person and replace their bad experience with a good experience. Hmm. Okay. Unfortunately, we in the church, we often jump to step two, which is information. We start talking at the intellectual level, and people aren't even hearing us because no. they've got a wound that has their ears closed and their heart hardened. And so as we overcome their emotional barrier, and you'll know that it's overcome when they start leaning in and start asking you questions. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's always the key. If you're investing and you're helping them, they'll start leaning in at some point. Mm. And then they will get to their second barrier, which is an informational barrier. They've got questions, and they've been on the Internet, and they've got all this bad information. Well, you need to replace their bad information with good information, Mm. and you do it in a loving way. You know, the Scripture says that we are to be prepared to give an offense for the hope that we have, and most Christians stop there, but the completion of that verse is, but do so with gentleness and respect. 
And so as we do it slowly and lovingly, and we, we don't try to wrap it all up in one conversation, we're willing to be patient and let the Holy Spirit do that, then we overcome their bad information with good information. And then once they've they realize that, man, there's a whole lot more meat on this bone than I ever dreamed. Um, I Maybe I need to take this serious. And they understand what is needed to enter into a relationship with God. The last barrier is a volitional barrier. It's a, it's a battle of the will. Hmm. They have to surrender. And that barrier, as believers, we help them overcome it by just prayer, mainly, we're praying for a softness of their heart mm-hmm. and encouragement. You know, I know you're afraid because you are transferring trust. You are surrendering. You're giving yourself away to something new. And the unknown is frightening. But I'm here to tell you, it's the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. Mm. And you just encourage and pray for them uh, as they overcome that last and final barrier. And then the discipleship process takes takes on that they're a new believer and you've got to put down roots in their journey and and disciple them to the point where they can help their friend the same way that you've helped them it's a ministry of multiplication that is the biblical model it's not addition it's multiplication right okay so let's talk to our church leaders out there how can they partner best with search ministries is it just maybe finding a couple guys in your church uh, that are ready to lead some of this? Is there anything that can be done from the stage? Is there a curriculum to be used? What have you seen in the past where churches and search part to partner together? Well, we do uh, come alongside the local church in the areas where we're at. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've done, uh, you know, 10-week Wednesday night series to equip the people there. I've preached from the pulpit to help people gain a a knowledge of this, but but really, Rusty, none of this happens until you as senior pastor realize that we've got to start making this a priority. Right. Because we, we all look through worldview lenses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I, I, I have a dear friend of mine who's a missionary in Thailand, and I was on a missions committee of the church, and we were going to fund this ministry, but I had to go check it out. And I went over there ready to help them figure it all out, right? I had all the answers. I was going to help them build a church and all this kind of stuff. And I got over there, and I got out of my worldview, and I got into, you know, a third world country worldview. Mm -hmm. And I saw these guys begin to do what we what we try to do at search they they came alongside people they came into uh, new villages they lived with them they earned the right to have conversations and I realized that the model is not inviting them in the model is equipping our congregation to go hmm. and your people only have so many hours in a day and they only have so much bandwidth so if if what we're doing as the local church is filling up their calendar with good things at the local church, then they're never going to invest in people outside the church. Yeah, It just doesn't happen. It just won't happen right? until you create the environment and you say, this is the most important thing that we can possibly do, and I am, I am going to equip you to go. And that means that 
I'm going to be okay with you not being here in every program that we have put together for you. Mm-hmm. And so from a mindset, these pastors are going to have to realize if they don't lead from the pulpit, it just never happens. It just becomes a seminar that we come and do, and it's interesting, and people like it. And then, you know, it's like taking a time management course. In two weeks later, you're right back doing your same old thing because <laughs> you haven't you haven't really digested it and right. and acted on it. But for those who are willing and able, we are in fact just as we speak creating something called Search Institute, where uh, my colleague John Hopper that wrote that book, mm-hmm. Questioning God, that you heard his his interview with Janet Parcel. Um, it's a wonderful book. It's called Questioning God. You might, uh, any of your people might get it. It's not only is it an apologetics book, but it it's mm-hmm. done so in the with search DNA, uh, which is really biblical DNA. Search didn't invent any of this stuff. It's all biblical. We just follow the bi- biblical model of of being relational. Mm-hmm. But the way that he approaches the questions and answers them in a very uh, friendly, loving way is. Uh, uh, that that same author, he is in the process of uh, creating a, a, a equipping and training department of search that will come alongside the local church for the people in your church, your your leaders, your core group who are really serious about this. We will help train them up. Uh, I can't tell you what the whole program looks like because it's just being organized, but. It's, it's very important, and it's going to happen soon. Uh, but your church leaders would, would come to a seminar, and we would immerse in the, in the relational evangelism model, and then there would be ongoing support as you begin to mm. uh, live it out. And um, so I would say right now, start with a lot of prayer. Yeah. Check, check our own hearts. Make sure that we really do want to be obedient, and we're willing to do whatever God does for us. And then... Um, we help our our congregation realize that um, what God calls us into is a messy mission outside the church. Mm-hmm. And we have to begin to just build friendships. Don't worry about apologetics and all that. I, you know, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question I don't know. Well, get the book Questioning God. It'll give you more information than you need. Yep. Most people don't ask all these questions, <laughs> No, Rusty. The truth <laughs> is, is... You know, God creates us with this desire for God in our own heart. We want to be fed this if we'll just have somebody feed it to us in a manner that is uh, safe. Yep. And so I know all the quest- answers to the questions. I like to kid with people and say, I know the answers to all the questions that nobody's asking. <laughs> they just don't ask them. Right. They ask a handful. Tell me about the Bible. Tell me about God. Who is this Jesus character? What about pain and suffering? Right. If I get familiar with the good answers to these three or four or five tough questions, then I can at least talk to any of my friends about that. And it's all right to say, you know what, I don't know that. Yeah. As I was finding God, that wasn't important to me, but I can see it's important to you. So I'm going to do a little research and let's find out and let's kind of learn together. Mm. That's such a great answer. Paul, this is... uh this is phenomenal. And I think that for a lot of us, we felt like disciple making, uh, specifically the front end of that evangelism was just invite someone to church and let your pastor do it. 
Or it was pray for them and never talk about it and hope God just does it on his own without your involvement. (laughs) Or we have to get in their face and condemn them for their sin and intellectualize them to, to death with apologetical arguments. But this is so relational, it's so doable, and it's so uh, incumbent on us to actually engage in this. For our church leaders and individuals that would love to learn more, uh, what's the best way to find out more? Just through the search website? Yes, yeah, search website is searchministries.org. Okay. Our national office is in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. And we have uh, about 60 guys across the country. And if you can look up somebody and, you know, there's a, a place on the website to uh, find the search staff guy who's closest to you. Uh, for you personally in California, we have a guy, Don Barkley in Orange County, mm. that's a wonderful resource. And he would uh, he would love to talk to you about things and help guys out. But if your p- listeners are all over the country, you can find somebody that's uh, sort of in your area. Okay. And uh, we can help you out. That's great. Searchministries.org. Paul, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. And uh, really grateful for your time uh, with our listeners and uh, just the inspiration you've given me and, and all of us. So I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, Paul, thank you so much. And a special thank you to my friend John Heinemann for setting that up. Uh, that was so, so fun to have that conversation. Loved talking with him and hope to talk to him more in the future because it really sparked a lot of questions I have uh, that we can talk more about. Next week, I'm going to bring back one of my uh, failures to share. And we started something a few months ago called How I Broke This. And we talked about something I did wrong in leadership and what I learned from it. I'm going to give you another one. And this has a lot to do with culture on your staff. So join us next week for episode 203 as we talk about how I broke this. Thanks so much for listening. As always, rate and review and share the podcast. That would be huge. And we will talk to you next time. Keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Learn.